deeper down the rabbit hole. Saturday, 6 p.m., live in Toronto, Ontario, at the Queen City Curio Occult and Spiritual Store. Well, this is Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole and Queen City Curio Videocast again. Instead of like podcasts who let anything go after the fact and let it let them go and cut out all the editing things, we make sure every broadcast we do is got a live component because you never know what's going to happen in live radio, and that's our roots. And speaking of that, we're here at 607 Gerard Street East. You know, anytime you want to listen to a podcast, you know, or like basically watch live, we can do it. We've got a big screen TV. We can put, put the guests up on there and have some audience yep. participation. So we're still a mass shop. So if that offends you, well, you know what? Yeah. Right. But outside of that, basically speaking, like uh, you're always, everyone can always come down here and watch the podcast live in our store, which, you know, sometimes we actually have the authors here in store, especially if they're Canadian authors. Tonight, that's not the case. Uh, so what do we got coming up real fast, Zach? Well, Let's... we have the tarot workshops coming up, so we got one tomorrow. That's right, that's tomorrow. That's tomorrow. We're going to cover my favorite suite of the tarot cards. Fire! Fire! Fire, right. So we're going to cover the, the fire suite. If you've been going around, you know, every two weeks, Deep Down Rabbit Hole does a sponsored workshop. Uh, any of the sponsors, you can attend and we have recordings for like 200 workshops and you can if you're a 10 level sponsor you get access to all that so help us keep the lights on become a 10 level sponsor that's what it is 200 different lectures so far and some very big surprises coming soon very that will announce surprises. good ones in the next couple of weeks so some of the some of the sponsors already you're in for a treat I'll just leave it at that. For other people who aren't sponsors yet, when you hear what the treat is, jump in now oh, yeah. before jump in now before yeah, before price say, can't have enough people. Exactly. Um, so tonight we're gonna talk a little bit about unironically about dream magic, even though we're drinking coffee. Yep. <laughs> sort of the opposite <laughs> of dream magic, right? Um, and tonight we have a author and a magician compadre chimera but his book is written he's got a pen name for his book right mm -hmm. so here's his first book the one we're going to talk about we got a double vision of the book yes and in fact if you're interested in seeing said book before purchasing the book you need only come to the queen city curio at 607 gerard street it's part of the library you can check it out you can read it and then kind of after you read it, you can go to Amazon links or we can order it for you and we'll get some in for you. So that's how it is. We encourage everyone to kind of come to the library, check it out, and then, you know, see if you like it. Uh, and then, and actually, if you do, support the authors. And that's why we have them. So, Zach, tell us about Chimera. So, Chimera is a martial artist. He also has a famous martial arts student. I'll let him talk about that if he likes after. He, he is part of the Chaos Magic Circuit. He has a dog, which is, we're all dog people here, so that's awesome. <laughs> and he's here to talk about dream yoga. So welcome to the show, Chimera. Thank you for having me on the podcast, and thanks for plugging my book. Yeah, there's a few copies up there at the store. Check them out. Uh, you're talking about fire magic. 
in the tarot i just was randomly shuffling the deck and i got the fear or the four wands dominion and i wanted to use that as kind of a segue into dream magic and so one of the formulas i use from the tarot is the nine of swords or cruelty now we can say like that's not very dreamy i thought dreams were supposed to be whimsical but i found a shortcut so we all know what sleep paralysis is some of the unsophisticated among us call it the kikimura or the you know the night terror it's basically this dream witch who sneaks into your mind and severs your body from your your soul now in doing lucid work lucid travels astral dreaming you know some combination of the two i found that you want to invoke that specifically when you go under sleep paralysis is your friend and if you could just you know instead of falling through your bed you sprout wings or tentacles whatever whatever your modality may be it gives you a sense of liberation and another another shortcut i found is repetition so once you've you know purposely invoked sleep paralysis you want to find yourself somewhere you can recognize so what i typically would do is make sound baths just very long drony atonal songs you know half an hour long you know similar to the music of like sun or boris usually a lot of ambient pads and i would just listen to the same song over and over again hours and hours at a time and when doing so i would start thinking of where i wanted to go and i kept having this vision of these two people one blonde one brown haired driving up this mountainous path a lot of curves and one, they had matching cars. It was very strange. I just, this free floating, I started with just the open roads, cars, the drivers, the passengers. And then at the peak of the mountain, that's when they collided. And I kept having this dream where they would meet. I'd fall asleep thinking about the open roads and just find myself at this destination over and over again, listening to the same songs hundreds and hundreds of times a night. And that, that's the, the core of Nidra yoga is repetition. The earliest Indian texts showed Nidra Yoga as a mathematical pedagogy technique where children at schools would live there and just in the middle of the night, mathematical equations would be solved verbally for everyone to hear. Right. So so part of the repetition is you're actually you're sort of setting up the same environment every night, like with the same song every night to kind mm -hmm. of help you kind of cue the I'm going to this because this gets into a lot of what's like we were going to talk to there's this this um, same setup every night so you kind of get cued to force your subconscious to go to the right place now are you always using the same setup or have you kind of have different setups for different types of dream magic that you want to actually go to and try to do usually that's a great point so i like to defer to the moon card and there's a lot of talk about a hundred years ago that the moon card corresponded to the back of the brain. But if you analyze the picture, it's a body of water, crustacean, you know, the basal spinal energy. So what you're doing is you're trying to imprint where you want to go when you're awake so obsessively that you're forced to have dreams about it. And to go back to the math analogy, I was taking a class on ultra filters. I hope, I hope you never pull up that Wikipedia page. Yeah, if we're talking about nightmares, that, that's the nightmare Wikipedia page. I did not understand it. I was you know, doing operations on infinitely large algebras that contained other infinitely large algebras. Some of them aren't as infinite as the others. There's literally a guy who died in a mental hospital trying to count to infinity. That was the founder of this branch of mathematics. Not a good sign for you know what it'll do to you mentally and emotionally. 
but I started at one point solving those equations in my dreams. I would have a dream and it would just be an infinitely large blackboard, infinitely, you know, infinite supply of chalk. And I just work there. Time didn't exist, or if it did, it wasn't something I cared about. And that to me is the repu- same repetition is it's not that you're in the classroom to study how to solve this. You're in the classroom to study how to write this because it's a separate language. It may as well come from another universe. So that's what I think of it in terms of we're creating the water, the body water, symbolizing memory. We're pouring things into it. And then we're taking out that object that we want to reify. It's dyed. The materials are the texture we want it to be. It's perfected. But it has to go through those waters where we have less control over it. So we basically have to just pollute the the swamp as much as we can to drain it and see what crawls out. So a lot of like initially, before going into sort of a dream session, it sounds like you're actually doing a couple or multiple hours sort of cueing like repetition song or repetition thought or repetition meditation Mm -hmm. or or in the case of the math example which sort of could be considered a hyper-focused state too Mm -hmm. like a a couple hours of mathematical operations uh, Mm -hmm. before trying before kind of going to sleep so your mind is kind of your brain is well cued to Mm -hmm. what you're trying to do Yes. And I've taken other math classes where this did not happen, but I wasn't at the level of obsession. And this specific one, I was prototyping this memory repetition technique with images and songs. So it was bound to happen. And when I controlled for other factors, it didn't happen with other classes when there was a similar level of difficulty or obsession. It just this unique priming across all the modalities I could definitely helped it sink in. Which kind of gets into some of the kind of other interesting aspects, like about a dream palace and how you'd created it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would sound like probably that also kind of follows a repetition pattern, like you're kind of studying it multiple times. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, they say that the brain structures itself according to what it learns about brain structure. So if you think the brain is a watermelon, sorry, you're going to have a smooth brain. But the memory palace is an interesting one because you are activating specific routes in your neurology. And you're going to expect to find something at the end of each of those routes. If you can structure it and set down expectations of what each of those nodes contains, then you definitely will have good results. But it comes from restructuring yourself. And you know the memory palace and the dream work that I'm suggesting is definitely a form of self-hypnosis. But you know if you take a certain perspective, all magic involves hypnotizing yourself into believing the core dogma that magic exists and works and can be used by us. If you don't believe that, then how can you do magic? Exactly. So how long when you created your first sort of dream palace, how long did it take you? How many repetitions did it take you to to get it so that we're visiting it on a regular basis? And how did you queue it up so you knew to go there beforehand? That's a great question. So I had a basically... Vapor Mage, the book that, you know, you showed at the beginning of the podcast, covers the results of a multi-year operation that I did with several other magicians. Each of us knew only one other magician at most. We decided to take a cell type organizational structure. No one was in charge. You would collaborate with one other person. You wouldn't know anyone else. If someone acted bad in the chain, that, you know, would skip over them. A lot of, a lot of trust and intimacy. But what we did was all of us decided we would meet at a specific house and we called it the house with dogs. And we just kind of 
created a mandala out of it. The core concept was we're each going to have a wing of a large manor or it's going to be a huge multi-acre ranch or something where we each have individual houses and then a shared commons. We don't need eight different kitchens. We don't need eight different dishwashers. We just need one. It's more efficient that way. And then we started having embellishments like a, a movie theater that we could share, you know, have movie night and then go to our, our respective little huts. And all of us developed it in isolation. And then when we came back, it, we compared our notes and the DreamWorks that we had. And we had a shared vocabulary because we used that mandala-like structure and then colored in around the lines. Right, right. So Found you, you kind of, the way you were talking about it, like it took you a while before you consistently go there. And you started with a sort of either kind of framework or maybe an artist's drawing or the mandala kind of, just a diagram of something like this is how it's all laid out. And then kept going back to that where you're you're actually developing other parts like outside of the new parts like the movie theater that got added, which is cool. But like you had your own parts that would go off of it. So you're sort of your parts were there that had independence. And then you had a main part. So each time each time you were doing that, you did you have to go through the main part to get to your part? Like so that way you were kind of reinforcing the main part each time. There are two different ways we conducted the activity. One was we would talk about the shared locations, like a theater or a place an hour away. We'd meet there and then we'd come up with different perspectives on it and then combine them. The other one was, and this took advantage of the cell structure of the operation. One of us would send pictures to another of what we found. We'd rely heavily on deep dives on Tumblr, a and then another website called F -F -F Found. It's now defunct, but it was an image posting board that had tons of material, but they never monetized right. it. Very good resources. We basically just called that the source, just the source of raw content for our dreams to, you know, to consume. And we just study these images, separate the aesthetics from the objects, transfer things over, and we'll, you know, embellish and color our dreams in that way and find shared locations like this is where we're going to meet. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to find there. And that's how a lot of the shared vocabulary of the society that eventually sprung up and I describe in Vapor Mage came about. We decided on a common vocabulary with zero definitions, and then we found the definitions to color it later. That's awesome. So they, a lot of what the groups is doing is like they, they're actually like it's awesome. You guys used random pictures. I guess now we could use AI pictures, too from the GPL library or something, GPL3. Mm -hmm. But it basically found the pictures and then everyone shared it and then kind of like would meditate with that or kind of meditate that with their trigger songs and then basically uh, go off to sleep to try to do that. Now, one of the problems that you mentioned in the book is that you there's some mention of like lucid dreaming and kind of doing that. And there's a lot of priming, but then after the fact that you might have to actually use methods of recalling mm -hmm. or force recalling a dream. And maybe you could tell us some of the tools that you might use to force recall a dream if you couldn't you couldn't remember it offhand. Like if your lucid dreaming skills or your dream remembrance wasn't quite up to task, how, how might you force yourself to remember one? Mm. So that's a great that's a great question. I think in doing dream operations, I, I want to assume that the biggest difficulty anyone has is remembering this stuff or finding the time to write it down. You know, that, that was the biggest one. When I practice this, we practice it as astral travel with guided path works. We had an instructor. We did 
the full opening Golden Dawn, Lesser Banishing Ritual of the Pentagram, some special ones. We did Star Ruby, uh, you know, banished the heck out of it, consecrated it, anointed it with fire and water. And we would have someone just narrate what they saw and that person would write it down on paper. That's a luxury in a controlled environment. In real life, what I do is I just open up my laptop. I have a huge text file. I just write down the date, what happened, and then I go back to sleep. Or I just text it to myself. I don't rely on apps or cloud stuff. You know, it's good to have a backup, but I've had too many apps. I'm not going to name any of them that basically take all my information, but I can't get it out when I need it or in the format I do or something gets lost. So I just text it to myself and then I copy it into the text document. Any computer in the world can run it, open up a text file. So I don't want to complicate things. We, we actually did have some talk about making an app or finding an app and None of us really had the same neurochemistry, so nothing was really a fits all of our needs kind of solution. Some some apps are good for some people, some aren't. I think neurodiversity is something that, you know, sorcerers need to take very seriously. But, you know, a paper journal, if you're doing this at scale over a long period of time, you paper journals are not going to help you, especially if you have to turn the lights on. Advantage of using your phone and just texting yourself is it's got a little light. You don't have to wake up any of anyone there. You don't have to reach for the the bedside table lamp. It's about making it as convenient as possible, I'd say. So that, so that's sort of like, that's if you can remember it. Like, did Mm -hmm. you also techniques to sort of try to force yourself to remember like after the fact, like, or when you woke up, you know, or is there like a meditation you do to kind of. Okay. Well, you're asking a really good question. So one of the key goals of priming is you go in with that vocabulary and you come out with that vocabulary. You might find something new. That something new is what you're actually after. But it makes it much easier to recall everything if you're going in saying, these are the names of the locations. This city that I always go to has a train station. Am I near the train station? Am I away from it? You lay down those details in advance. And that... You know, instead of having to recall, you know, what was I thinking? You just like, oh, this is what I could have been thinking. Was it one of these or was it something new? Right. So it's almost like, yeah, it's almost like the priming itself lets you Mm -hmm. assume when you woke up, you dreamt this palace and then whatever information is kind of grafted into the sort of structure of the priming. So it's like sort of like it's sort of like a language that you can kind of interpret right then and there Mm -hmm. because you could say, okay, I learned this magic when I was sleeping. Mm-hmm. where I learned this mathematical equation when I was sleeping and I did it in that information that's coming to four. It happened in this place because mm-hmm. that's where it always happens. Like mm-hmm. exactly. So that algebra class that I was telling you about, we were working with ultra filters. They're basically a lattice like topology. So algebraists and topologists can talk about them at the same time. People who do calculus, it's not really a calculus thing. It's more of a number theory thing. Like we're talking about the structure of the integers versus the structure of the real numbers. If you know a little bit about math, they have different structures. There's more real numbers than the integers. A guy went insane and died in a mental hospital because of it. But what I found was it's a very good analogy. Topology is just an argument space. The argument has this, you know, these parameters, X, Y, Z, and these outputs, the results of the argument, some operation. So when I was having those dreams in the mathematical modalities, that answer was somewhere within that topology. It wasn't somewhere in my brain. I didn't know what it was, but I knew that it was constrained by this 
vocabulary. And those vocabularies in mathematics are just algebras, a set of numbers and a set of operations that you can do with those numbers. So, so I, I never see the, yeah, the analogy yeah, could so be similarly the primary, the, the priming is an aspect of setting up the, the vocabulary mm -hmm. uh, for the dreams to express itself. Mm -hmm. And kind of one of the tools that you are using in the dream palace a lot to kind of express some of these things is the tarot. Like mm -hmm. you mentioned it a few times, well, you mentioned a couple of times on the show already, but in the book, you mentioned a couple of times that using the tarot as a sort of mechanism mm -hmm. to kind of, to further kind of put not constraints, but sort of, it is kind of constraints. So that way it's like the messages are more, mm -hmm. more in line with certain things. So it's easier to remember. Exactly. So there's no shortage of books that are along the lines of some sort of dream dictionary. You know, like, oh, I dreamt of a gray swan. So you look up swans and it's like a special paragraph for gray ones. And it tells you it means like your dad's pregnant. It doesn't really work that way. That's just arbitrary. If you study that book, your dreams will be influenced by that book and it will be a self-fulfilling circuit. Knowing that in advance, why not just, you know, embellish your own alphabet of desire AO spare style that, you know, he's one of the biggest influences on me. It's about creating the left and right limits of what you're willing to commit to in a dream. The objects are the same as real life, but the rules are different. The laws of physics apply loosely as loosely as you want to commit to them. So, you know, if you can't throw fireballs in real life, there's nothing stopping you from doing it in a dream. And so that's where I went with it is instead of having dreams and figuring out what they're about, you tell yourself, okay, this is what my dreams are going to be about. I want to experience them. It's a, it's a reversal. It's subtle, but it makes all the difference. No, I mean, essentially what you're doing is providing scaffolding. So it makes the interpretive aspects of dream work much easier. You're basically training the subconscious mind to say, this is how you should present the dreams. And these are the symbols that I'll accept. And mm -hmm. because I'll accept those symbols, like it's much easier to get the message across. Like, and then you're basically using, you know, pretty classic uh, and good cognitive science and behavioral science things of repetition to kind of get it. Mm -hmm. So that way it's always that way. It's, it's coming across that way, as opposed to like sort of the random, random, whatever happens in dreams. If you're taking random inputs all the time. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, to piggyback off the claim I made that the brain structures itself in according to what it learns about the structure of the brain, we could also say we're defining our own internal vocabulary instead of letting things just be random. We're letting the presentation be random. Then, you know, that element of surprise is what we want. We want to find the new things, you know, the alchemical formula vitriol, journey to the center of the earth, and there you shall find the philosopher's stone. That's, it's the same thing. You want to find that little gold nugget somewhere in all the dirt. You're just pouring dirt in and then you're compressing it through the repetitions and then boom, you find something. And then, you know, later on, and I don't really cover it that much in this book, but after the book was published, we had a reunion and one of the other magicians in my cell visited me one day and I had written my dreams down diligently that morning. Such and such is gonna come over and we're gonna draw some tarot cards. They came over to my condo with a gift. I opened it up. It was a set of tarot cards. I was like, hey, you've got to see what I've got on my computer right now. So we walked into my office. I pulled up the text file. Do you believe in it now? I, I have no reason to reject it. <laughs> you know, it doesn't confirm anything, but it's a hell of a coincidence. 
So in reference to constructing the dream pass and having, well, multiple people involved and using symbol sets, how does that work? Because people are coming in with different symbol sets. You've all agreed on a common language. Mm-hmm. However, there is so going to be the neurodiversity, as you said. So how does that align within those conversations with people outside? Okay, that's a great question. So remember, I did say we investigated making an app and opening it mm-hmm. up to the public. The first question is, what if someone just sends dick pics to everyone? So we didn't really go anywhere with that business model. But we have a cell-like structure and you know we roughly know who's in our vicinity so we can say like you know this person's acting egregiously he's sending you know russian war crime videos to me when i'm trying to have like a you know a nice sleep he's just giving me nightmares so we kind of self-separated you know if people really just want to induce nightmares and listen to slipknot all night that's pretty cool but we're going to keep you away from the pastel goths who want like neon pink magenta fuchsia dreams about bunnies and fields and cotton candy but you know sometimes there's there's room for a crossover episode and we wanted people to be taken by surprise within their limits and what we found is everyone respected each other we didn't have a problem with you know, egregiousness, but, you know, it was a, we already know each other. We already practice magic in other ways, kind of referral system. So as again, I don't know how it would be opened up to the general public, but the point of the book is you can make this kind of society, do these operations on your own and form your own cells. It's not a centralized thing. There's no, there's no one in charge of it. There's just a book that shows some examples, gives overlying philosophy and, you know, there's no dogma except we're doing dreams. We're going to do dreams hardcore. We're going to prime ourselves. We're going to have a shared vocabulary. We're going to meet each other in them. We're going to do anything we can. And the more it impacts the real waking life, the more successes we'll credit toward ourselves. The story that you gave about the tarot is kind of like where you set down the dream about the tarot and then he brought the tarot. Did, did he also know that you were planning on planning on dreaming about him and the tarot at the dream space? No, the only information that I had was this cell partner was in town for business. Other side of town might see each other if there was time. I had that dream that morning. They text me nice, later. Nice. Said, hey, I got some time looking out. That was much stronger did. magical result. Yeah or, or mm-hmm. magical result, which kind of gets in one of the things that I also kind of wanted to ask about because it was this aspect of doing sigil magic and group sigil magic mm-hmm. that you mentioned. And mm-hmm. how would you set that up with the repetition or how are you kind of making that happen mm-hmm. in the shared dream space or in the comments? We try to rely on transient symbols so that no single symbol would dominate the signal. So we didn't have anything like DKMU's linking sigil. Most people have seen it. I think there's an ASCII character for it now, which is wild, but it's just one si- signal. So anyone can jump on it and use it. What we decided was to use different si- si- symbols and sigilize frequently, just change it up all the time, like kind of like radio channel hopping. If we don't want someone to listen to a channel, then every 10 minutes or some other time interval, we'll just switch to a different channel. We know in advance what the channels will be and what the interval is. So if someone invades one of our lines, we can just switch over to another one. And that's what so we does that mean that you're sharing. you're paying attention or you're memorizing the sigils before you go to sleep? Or does that mean just taking you have a shared place for the sigils to be cast that you're that you're 
that you're going to to see what channel you want to pick up we used them in a lot of different ways we would try to use the images that we passed together as a jump off point to come up with symbols like let's meet at this place and it's going to have the sign of mercury engraved on a rock that would be one okay so we'd know okay i got it. the spot so so that would be kind of a link sigil like look yeah. for the sign of mercury on this this rock if all the other details are sort of messed up a little bit you're in the right place if there's a mercury symbol here on the rock I got, okay so that one i understand because yeah, you got a reference yeah, that point. one mm -hmm. yeah re shared reference mm -hmm. point yeah yeah so that'd be an object in a place the other one would be the opposite we'd go to a place that we agree upon and find an object there and then recover it try to remember it bring it back sometimes on two different occasions i brought up actual songs I don't know how to like you know write them down hastily so i kind of compared them to other songs i was familiar with you know there aren't that many songs i found mm -hmm. you know i found that interesting because i was pulling up an artifact but it wasn't a physical tangible object but you know i could i could sit down at a piano and kind of compose it from what i know about songs that sounded similar to it so that was another another difficult lift was taking something that couldn't just be readily drawn or written out like if it was a red rooster that's easy just write red rooster i can draw it later but if it was a melody i'd have to figure out okay what song did that remind me of or can i whistle it off the top of my head then write it down that's a little more involved same thing with with equations when i found equations i'd have to you know pull them back up I didn't pull up the exact answer. I came up with like, okay, this is how I did it in the dream. This is, you know, I wasn't finding like an exact number. I was finding a method. Now with finding places, we can't expect everyone in, you know, brain A and brain B to have the same exact aesthetics. So we'd come up with path workings. Like if we're gonna meet at a underground temple with a, you know, a hot spring in it, would tell each other we're taking some stairs down and then there's a huge door the door is made out of onyx we set that up aesthetically if we had pictures of it would chain those pictures together to kind of give each other visual imprints of what we're going into and then at the hot spring for example we'd lift something out of it or let the you know let someone there tell us something some some of the some of the pathworkings had more humans involved some had no humans involved some in some more about the journey and some more about the destination. So the path working sort of probably, you probably were putting it on right where you're going to sleep and then mm -hmm. it would kind of guide you through some of the process and then keep guiding you after probably deeper, deeper, almost sleep was had. Exactly. The spontaneity is what made these path workings more effective. We've all done guided meditations, nothing new or complicated. But the last minute appeal to form a structural narrative around random or arbitrary images that we were passing to each other forced us to get a little creative with which neurons to cross with which. Right. So with pulling back the artifact and then recalling, did you find when you compared results with other people in the cells that your particular way of connecting became a jumping off point to get back to that location later on? Yeah, but we did a lot of shortcoming and compressions. Like if, you know, in a very general magical sense, if you do an operation 10,000 times in full, why can't you shorten it on the 10,000th of the month? You know, there's several shamanic practices that do exactly that. They make their students do repetitions in a monastery for 10, 20 years, and then they learn the shortened version of it that they can do in a snap of a finger. 
it's the time spent that lets you pull up something to recall it. So we did rely heavily on the the idea that we could pause a dream and give the tape, so to speak, to someone else and they replay it. And that to me was where we made the most progress as a group and why it why it benefited from being a group working because all these things we prototyped it as a group, but none of this has to be done as a group. Like, you know, it's a luxury having other magicians to work with or hazard or liability, depending on how you want to look at it. You know, it, you know, none of the workings have any specific group structure or size in mind, but the ability to recall things and bring them back later, I think all of us have had at least one dream in our life that we wish we could go back into when we wake up. Like, can I have a round two? So that was a lot of it as well as I wanted to go back to some places that I'd experienced. So I'd come up, write them, try to recreate the aesthetics using found pictures, and then reprime myself to have it again or to continue that story arc. Right, right. So so that's an interesting thing because we're talking about you've primed going into the dream. Mm -hmm. like, But you might go back to the same space, the prime, which is a further priming. If you know anything about like anchors and priming, like once you kind of go back to the space, it's sort of your brain sort of wants to put it into a linear story. Like mm -hmm. here's this, the story continues from the point at which we left or time passes and then we go back in. That's just a natural human tendency to organize the world in some capacity. And that's also interesting because it also leads me to ask questions like, did your group also try to do stuff like evocation or invocation or call spirits where you're kind of priming and going down there. Okay. Well, that's definitely a great question. We did a lot of evocations. We tried to come up with a pantheon specific to our workings. We didn't have anything in mind to begin with, but we began with Ecate, obviously the goddess of the crossroads. You know, we're talking about, you know, crossing into the, you know, the subconsciousness on purpose. We're talking about throwing an anchor in and then bringing another anchor back out. That made perfect sense. The next deity that we brought aboard was Nyx, goddess of night, mother of chaos. And that we, we formed a avatar for her called Selenix or Selena, the moon goddess plus Nyx. We wanted to have something that personified the luminal essence of the night, or the stars and the moon specifically. And the moon, as I mentioned with the tarot card, has a special place in our workings because of the water workings that we focused on. And from there, we let everyone kind of develop on their own, their own you know, connection with these entities that we were using. But it was not very, you know, aside from the astral travel, we weren't doing a lot of direct evocations or channeling. Mm. It was just a, a jump off point or kind of like a patroness or set of patronesses that okay, yeah. could help us if we needed to. Interesting. So if, if people wanted to start doing this right now, mm -hmm. what would you tell them? How would they start? How should they start going about doing this? Like we covered some of the secrets, kind of, not secrets, mm -hmm. not, but some really good ideas. But what's their yellow and black? You should you want to start today and get this to happen? Because I think some of the stuff we talked about is actually sort of uh not transgressive but it's sort of actually it's new versus mm -hmm. what is generally talked about in lucid dreaming circles mm -hmm. it's, it's a sort of different approach than lucid dreaming in classic lucid dreaming that's not to say there's not lucid dreaming involved in this but mm -hmm. sort of a different different ideology going mm -hmm. in that 
seemingly is producing different results. So I'm like, how would you, what would you tell people to start doing right now, even if they didn't have a groove to work with? That's a great question. I'd say the one single thing you can do is just start amassing a collection of images, aesthetics, you know, the way things look, color schemes that interest you, objects, places, locations, buildings, interiors, exteriors, just start building the alphabet first. And then from there, just spend time with that image collection. Five minutes, you know, it's like when you meditate on the tarot, you don't, you just step into the card, easy. Doing it's a little different, but you just have to step into the images. And the dreams are like the images embracing you or like a fog coming in. You're not stepping into it anymore. It's engulfing you. So, you know, the other, that's going into the dream. Coming out of the dream, the one single thing you can do, whether you have a practice or not, or you're doing this on your own, is just start writing your dreams down every morning. It will help you basically just work on your memory. You need to work on your memory to recall those dreams, but you know, work on your memory in other contexts and modalities is definitely important. So that is kind of a mental exercise. And once you do those two practices, you can form the connections you want because your relationship with your dreams is highly personal. Whether you want to do lucid dreaming or not, whether you want to involve astral travel as well or not, if you want to do evocations or God forms or not, you don't have to. It's modular. I mean, so the key, a lot of the key takeaways that we were talking about is like, you know, the pre-work to actually make sure you're setting sort of keys, like you're, you're kind of putting your keys in the head and that's repetition. That was mm-hmm. what we talked about. A lot of the show was repetition of those keys, mm-hmm. like kind of mo- focusing and what you're talking about now is about like getting those keys that appeal to you and kind of constructing sort of a, a space based on those keys. And then, then again, the repetition to kind of kind of go into it with having primed your mind and then when you wake up basically taking those keys and assuming that that applies and then kind of interpreting um, insights or feelings that you get in line with those other keys that you already built exactly and in this sense the keys are a limiting factor and you might say well i don't want to be limited but because i see it as more like omakase style at sushi restaurants the chef has a limited array of items to use and that those limitations give them creativity and it's about finding what you can construct using a limited vocabulary and then gradually widening it to the point where you're coming up with your own vocabulary possibly sharing it with others possibly self-created and self-involved i think both modalities make a lot of sense but it's about building up your own your brain's way of showing you how it sees the world I noticed we're getting a lot of hate mail today, YouTube. I want to just say for a record, everyone here has master's degrees or better or one. Yeah. And Zach, a professional Chinese medicine doctor. And both Kimra and myself have master's degrees. Kimra has a PhD. So for your hate mail, nice, but it's not true. I just wanted to point that out. Uh, and no, we're not shoplifting the lick of tarot decks from Walmart when we have PhDs and master's degrees. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Just like to let that haters know, we see your hate, but literally, you know, you know, like you're talking to people with PhDs and and professional medical degrees from China. So nice job. That said, to dismiss the haters, correctly dismiss them. That said, 
if you're interested in starting, kind of like I said, this has a different approach than lucid dreaming. It comes from the repetition approach and memorization up front. But we have these at 607 Gerard Street. Come out, come out, check it out. It's like I said, if you're used to lucid dreaming and you're used to a lot of the sort of lucid dreaming, this is a different approach. Well, uh, Kimra basically said that right from the start. And they got really good results with this sort of different approach. And we kind of covered and show why you have a different approach and why the limitations on the approach actually let you actually experience more. Sort of a design constraint in thought, which is a, a topic that you can look at at business schools. They use this same methodology for innovation to actually limit, uh, limit that, limit the actual... Uh, amount of choices so there can be actual real innovation that's practical and that's a very similar technique that's being talked about mm -hmm. so do you have any upcoming events kimra or uh other no things? i'm taking the winter off for a while but nice. talking about that app i am going to launch a platform for the book specifically I invite all the haters in the chat to give it a shot i'm going to put you in a pool together so you can send each other all the dick pics you want so I decided, hey, if we got a problem with dick pics, we'll just put all the dick pic people together. They got nice. a common interest. Nice. Everyone's welcome. <laughs> even if you whack off in a warehouse to get your socks off, even if you're a street skeeter, even if you're, you know, you get your kicks from trash talking tarot readers on YouTube, like get a life. But hey, I'm going to launch that platform and you're still welcome. There you go. There, there you go. I don't know. Usually we don't get haters, but today it seems like we're getting a lot of haters. And in fact, today, like we're also getting people using gay slurs, which we usually don't get and for the record. Like, if that's your thing, that's not who we are at Queen City Curio. Like, we're pretty much open to everyone. And we don't just mean that. We really are. Whether you're into Wicca, Satanism, Christianity, like, you know, whether you're gay, you're Martian, you're otherwise, you know, heterosexual, we don't really give a fuck at all so it's interesting that today i come out for the hate but <laughs> yeah, that's okay it's maybe it's uh, i think mars is still retrograde right who knows but i want to say that in case i don't get all the the negative chats right that that's how we we roll is pretty much totally we're just about the magic and i, mm -hmm. and I think camera is too so you know mm -hmm. now well, that said me on the podcast i'm sorry I that people whose parents didn't raise right showed up but hey you know whatever numbers whatever. are numbers i'm not reading the exactly. chat well i have to go through a whole bunch of repetitive like angry comments but it's even more funny you know i find mm -hmm. it hilarious that's all right that's all right that's all right um that said what do we have coming up zach because we actually have some big events coming up in person besides that we the Besides the fact that running the tarot class tomorrow at six o'clock, which we're yes. wands, which was the first card Kimura drew was a wands card. So I took that so very, sign for a, That's yeah. very good. I just picked another one. Exactly. 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 Six, that's my favorite card in the talk deck, actually. The, the six of wands, by far. There's so much mythology around that store that apparently like alistair crowley made that card to defeat the nazis and there's all this mythos around that specific <laughs> that specific card it is it is that symbol yeah. like was supposedly a sigil against the nazis in world war ii and he incorporated it to the victory card there's a lot of mythology around that card around crowley with that particular card nice so like a lot of history it's weird 
But that aside, what do we have coming up? Well, we got a few major events coming up. So we have the Tarot series. That's going to be running every two weeks. And then we have a Luck Buddha series of Changing Your Luck. So those will be Luck Attunements, and we will be running that right through January. First one being... Yeah, that, that Luck Attunement will do six different Luck Attunements to anyone. You can take one or two, but we will, for anyone who wants to do all six, there's six sort of Lucky Buddha. There's six styles of luck, or six qualities of luck and you can get attuned to each one and that we're going to do that from the first of the year also we haven't set the date yet but by the multiple people who asked me and demanded it and asked me again and begged nicely and demanded and demanded again multiple times for, for all any sponsor at any level we will be doing a massive chaos back for me in store and online, probably the second week of january Yep. Massacre of Faf Maze. Awesome. Awesome. Right. Then after that, what else we got, Zach? We got a Fox Magic Workshop on the 28th. So that is going to be working with Fox Magic Messengers of Primordial Daoism. They are your great intro into the non-bureaucratic Daoist practices. Getting around the bureaucracy, one fox at a time. And also we should say that tonight, we're going to actually as you watch live, like tonight, we always say it's a live show, but we're actually working on the, a whole series of classes called Basic Witchcraft. It's going to cover basic witchcraft classes, like how to use stones, how to use basic stuff, how to get basic meditation down, how to actually use this stuff to better your life. And even if you don't know anything, but you saw some TikTok videos, we'll take you the rest of the way. Like we'll show you, this is the basic stuff. Once you get some basics down, you'll find that a lot of it gets repetitive, but you know, we'll help you kind of actually experience some things and actually get all the basics down and then kind of improve your meditation skills and some ways that we have that and kind of use some basic tools. Just if you've never done it before, or you've kind of toyed around with that for many years and you're thinking, is this the time to jump in and try something? It is. It is. So we're going to have a whole series of basic witchcraft that you can kind of come out to the store and kind of just learn some basic things and see how it kind of helps you and evaluate it yourself. Right. Like that's that's our key. We want you to actually evaluate it. We're not going to we're not going to tell you, hey, this is how it is. We'll say this is the technique and we want you to evaluate it. And I guarantee most of you, if you come out to those, you'll see your, even the small little techniques will help generally improve your life. One step at a time. That's all you need. One step at a time. Now, that said, we want to thank Kimra for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. So yep, thank you. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I seems like everyone enjoyed it. Well, you know, except for the haters, we enjoyed it. And I'm we actually sure it. that a lot of people who listen to it later will. Thanks. I hope to come back on again. I'll keep you posted about the launching of the Vapor Mage platform. You know, and I think there's something for everyone in expanding dream magic, whether you want to work on your memory, be more a creative artist, write stories with your friends. Or just, you know, get some cheap entertainment. I mean, if all you want to do is bliss out, then by all means, buy my book. There you go. Well there said. Go. Well said. Check it out first again, like we always say. It's here, 67 Gerard Street. Love to see you. Check it out. And with that, as we always say, stay healthy, stay happy. And for the hate haters, keep on hating, I guess, because that makes you happy. Or does yep. it? <laughs> anyway, have a great night, everyone. Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole is sponsored by 
the Queen City Curio and Apothecary in Toronto, Ontario. Proudly in East Chinatown. Our store is at 607 Gerard Street East. Unit 401. Just take the elevator up to the fourth floor and we're right there. We carry the finest spiritual goods for all spiritual paths. Whatever you are into, we can help. Check out our full public library of occult materials with over a thousand books. Accessible anytime the store is open. Check us out online at queencitycurio.ca. Be sure to leave a wish at our wish shrine right outside our door. You never know, it may just come to pass.